Blog Talk Radio. Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host, Michael Cutler. It is Friday, and it is July the 7th, 2017. Lots going on, but I hope that all of you have had a great week. Hope that you enjoyed your 4th of July celebration, America's Independence Day uh, birthday celebration just a couple days ago. A great point to be made here is that while America celebrated its independence, it was also, in a very real sense, uh, celebrating its sovereignty. Sovereignty, something that is an anathema to the globalists who see our borders, not as our first and last line of defense, but rather see in our borders impediments to their wealth. Often, all too often, at the cost of innocent lives, the jobs of Americans, and the destruction of national security. Those are the prices that we pay. This isn't about xenophobia. You're not antisocial if you insist on opening the door to a stranger only after you could determine that the stranger didn't pose a threat to your safety. That's all that we're talking about, folks. And the anarchists are out there. The globalists are out there beating the drum, making that accusation that if you dare suggest that a nation should exercise its free will in determining whether or not to permit non-citizens, aliens, to enter that country. Uh, Well, that's where we are, because that's exactly what they would have you believe. This is about xenophobia, not about common sense, not about being protective, not about being careful. Forget the terror attacks, forget the drugs, forget the gangs. You know, last week we talked a bit about MS-13 the two congressional hearings that were held in the House and Senate about MS-13, these are all directly attributable to the failures of border security. And this is not a left-right issue. You know, when I write articles for Front Page Magazine, we frequently, or I frequently, comment, you know, the darn liberals, they've done this to us. Folks, this isn't about liberals or conservatives. This is about globalists. This is about globalists. And don't for a heartbeat think that Republican globalists aren't on the same page with the Democrat globalists. And it's not because they're not really conservatives. No, it's because they're globalists. One has very little to do with the other. Both parties want those campaign contributions from the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, from all those other globalist organizations and the banks. Um, And and so when you look at the pushback against the G20, and I certainly don't approve of riots, peaceful demonstrations, as as American as apple pie, the bankers are behind globalism. And yet the sheeple, the supposed uh, super liberals, whatever you want to call them, anarchists perhaps, are out there railing about the G20 conference, railing about the bankers, right? But really... They're as much push. They're pushing for globalism as much as the banks are pushing for globalism. So then you have to ask the question: 
How much money have Democrats, supposed Democrats, because they're not, neither party is what they're supposed to be, but how much money have they taken from the international banking community and from those people who want to take down America's borders? If you're really concerned about wages and working conditions and job opportunities for Americans, then how in the world do you riot and carry on, as we saw during May Day, I called it the mayhem uh, demonstrations across America. We're going to give amnesty to everyone. Let's let everyone in. If you know anything about supply and demand, opening up the border creates an unlimited supply of labor. When you create an unlimited supply of any commodity, labor certainly no different from any other commodity, then you cheapen its worth. America is awash in workers, and that's why the middle class is getting hammered. That's why you have tens of millions of unemployed and underemployed Americans. So anybody who really worries about the plight of America's working families should be the first one screaming about amnesty, about sanctuary cities, about open borders policies. That is what is the undoing of the middle class of the wage structure and the ability of our government to provide what needs to be provided for its citizens. And we can have the debate, <clears throat> what are legitimate areas that the government should deal with? The Democrats want bigger government. The conservatives want smaller government. I understand all that. But even if you look at health care, can you imagine how much money is being spent on illegal aliens and, and families of illegal aliens? on their health care, on their education. And, and don't for a moment buy the lie that the illegal aliens aren't covered by those health care laws. The sanctuary cities, the sanctuary states are providing them with health care, providing them with education, providing them with everything. In fact, every state provides the illegal aliens with education because the Supreme Court ruled that we have to do that. There's only a limited amount of money. So for the geniuses out there that are ranting and raving about open borders, but at the same time want free health care and free this and free that, can't do it. It's kind of like, you know, you, you have a budget and you have a choice. Are you going to go on vacation this year or are you going to make a down payment on a new car? Can't have both. What's more important? Maybe it's the vacation. I don't know. Maybe it's the car. Could be. But you can't have both. That's the situation that we're in. And this is the sort of stuff, as you know, if you're familiar with my program, that I've been covering um, ever since 9-11. Because 9-11 was a direct result of multiple failures of the immigration system. And with my background as an INS agent for 30 years, I'm trying to provide you with the information and the perspectives that the mainstream media won't provide you with. Watch TV. Other than Newsmax, One American News Network, and Blaze TV, and I, Dana's show is, I think, terrific. I, they're all good. They have me come on. They have other people come on who have real-world experience. When was the last time that on any of the mainstream television networks, former immigration agents come on? You might occasionally see a Border Patrol um, union guy or whatever. But you're not going to see field agents who enforce the immigration laws. Now, why is that? They bring in retired police detectives when there's a murder, retired FBI profilers when there's a kidnapping, you know, ATF agents when it's about firearms. 
when it's about the space program, there's no shortage of former astronauts. When it's about the military, out come the generals and the Navy SEALs and the commandos and the admirals and the fighter pilots. No shortage. Talk about immigration and see who comes on the shows. Pollsters, pundits, and political consultants. We're the immigration agents. Nowhere to be seen. Why? Because immigration agents will give you the unvarnished truth. That's a problem. That's a problem because there is a false narrative that has been a long time in the making, going back to the days of Jimmy Carter when he ordered that immigration agents stop using the term illegal alien, illegal aliens. Goodness, you know, we, we should play a game. How else can we describe people who violate the law? Let's see. Uh, drunk drivers could be sobriety-challenged motorists. Bank robbers could be making undocumented withdrawals. And rapists or overeager suitors. I mean, this is insanity. The term alien is not a pejorative. It's not an insult. Legally, all it means is any person not a citizen or national of the United States. That's it. That's the whole definition. I didn't make it up. It's part of the Immigration and Nationality Act, the all-encompassing body of U.S. law that deals with immigration, aliens, naturalization, deportations. You name the issue that involves immigration, it's all comprehended under the Immigration and Nationality Act. And that's how it defines alien. Any person, not a citizen or national of the United States. What is bad about that word <clears throat> for the anarchists, for the globalists, that term creates a clear distinction. Their goal was to muddy the water. Most people today, journalists, even the good guys, will talk about illegal immigrants. They've beaten it out of us. Don't you dare say illegal alien. Lightning bolts will fly out of the sky and land on your head and blow you up. Don't you dare say illegal alien. We'll call them illegal immigrants. They're illegal aliens. Nothing wrong with that term. It's not an insult. It's reality. It's reality. And if, if you want reality, I've got websites I want you to go visit. Obviously, my own personal website is my favorite. What would you expect? MichaelCutler.net, one word. For many years now, I've been writing for CapsWeb.org, Californians for Population Stabilization. Uh, they're out in California, but the issues that they address are to be experienced all over America. This is not a, a four-state problem. We don't have four border states, and that's it. We're a nation of 50 border states. Any state with an international airport, seaport, uh, lies along the northern or southern borders, has access to our coastline, or border states, all 50. But this is what, what I want to convey to you, because you're not getting this information in the mainstream media. You will get it if you're tuned to Newsmax. Happy to do it. Last week I was on with Bill Tucker and with J.D. Hayworth. J.D. Hayworth, for those of you not familiar with him, used to be a member of Congress representing Arizona. And in fact, about six or seven weeks after 9-11, I provided testimony to the Immigration Reform Caucus in Congress in Washington. And J.D. was one of the members of Congress who was at that hearing. That's when I first met him. Um, he's since left Congress. He now hosts a show on Newsmax TV. I was also on One American News Network last week with Graham Ledger. This past week, that is to say. And, and I love Graham. He reminds me of the old-time uh, newscasters. No nonsense. No BS calls it the way he sees it. What a novel thought. 
but but please understand how serious these issues are. Now, there's a piece of legislation that I just wrote about for Front Page Magazine. So let's start with that, and, 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 and we'll take the magical mystery tour as the hour wears on. Um, Congressman Raul Labrador came up with another bill that would increase the number of agents and so forth. Um, great piece of legislation has come up with another good piece of legislation. And uh, if you go to frontpagemag.com, you could see my article. All the information is in this article. It's Real Legislation to Combat Terrorism. And the subtitle, Welcome to a Bill that Makes a Crucial First Step. So the piece of legislation, the bill that we're talking about is H.R. 2826, 2826. And the title, Refugee Program Integrity Restoration Act of 2017. Uh, I love the term. Uh, I don't know about restoration. It's been a long time since any of our programs have had real integrity. But I have been howling about a lack of integrity to the immigration system uh, ever since 9-11, even before that. The immigration system has no integrity, has no integrity. You can't tell me that our immigration system has integrity when you can point to the fact that we probably have 20 or 30 million illegal aliens living in the United States. You can't tell me that the immigration system has integrity when we gave hundreds of thousands of so-called dreamers lawful status without so much as a face-to-face interview. Don't even think about a field investigation. And the approval rate has been in excess of 95%. Integrity? Where? And time and time and time and time again, we have naturalized terrorists. We've given green cards to terrorists. We've given political asylum to terrorists. Back in 1993, a Pakistani by the name of Kansi shoots up the CIA. He had applied for political asylum. One month later, and I wrote about this. Read my article. If you aren't familiar with the facts, this is an eye-opener. If you are familiar with the facts, but you've been having debates with your neighbors or or your uncle, or your father-in-law, or your mother-in-law, whoever. Print this up or email it to them. You know, when I make statements, I don't speak in generalities. As a federal agent, uh, as Jack Webb would have said on, in Dragnet, those of you old enough to remember Dragnet, although there was a remake, he used to, with that very bland voice, say, just the facts, ma'am. Well, these are the facts. What I deal with are facts, not conjecture, not ideas, not brain spasms, but facts. It's irrefutable that Ramsey Yusuf, the mastermind of the 1993 World Trade Center bombing that killed six innocent victims, injured over a 1,000 people, <clears throat> inflicted approximately a half billion, with a B, half billion dollars in damages on what had been a centerpiece of the lower Manhattan skyline, now, of course, replaced by the beautiful tower, But in my heart of hearts, I wish the old Twin Towers were still there. I especially wish those thousands of people who were injured, killed, uh, that they were still there. So, you know, um, this guy attempted to bring down the towers. First attack. Almost brought the towers down. Almost did. But when he came to America with an altered passport, he uttered the magic words, political asylum. He let him out of jail. Free to wander around. Look what he did when he wandered around. 
He also was involved, and I wasn't even aware of it until I saw an interesting documentary. I'm an aviation buff, did a little single engine flying as a kid. And he set off a bomb or planted a bomb in a Philippines Airlines flight that literally, imagine this horror, cut a passenger in half. Think about that. The plane almost came down, but for the amazing piloting skills of those pilots, they brought the plane down in one piece. But one passenger was cut in half and died in the air. This is the same guy, Ramsey Yusuf. He was the same guy who was behind a terror plot known as the Bojinka Jet Airliner plot. Bojinka was supposed to bring down 11 airliners, plunge them into the ocean on the same day to have 11 airplanes disappear off radar. Why the number of 11? 11, God knows. But then, of course, we have 9-11. Perhaps there's I really don't know. But his goal was to bring down 11 airliners on one day. He was being funded by his uncle, Khalid Sheikh Mohammed, ASM, the mastermind reportedly behind the 9-11 attack. That's who this guy is. He gave him political asylum. The Tarnayev family got political asylum. What does that mean? It means, well, you have a credible fear. If we go home, we face persecution or worse. So what happened? We gave them lawful status. They had been admitted with visas. They didn't run the border, came in with visas. We gave them political asylum, and they promptly hopped on airplanes and voluntarily flew back to Russia. Then on April the 15th, Patriots Day in Boston, 2013, uh, they created havoc. They carried out a deadly terrorist attack and wound up not only killing people, but injuring severely hundreds of people. Political asylum. One of them became a, they all became a lawful immigrants. The younger one, Jokar, who's now in jail waiting to be executed because he was found guilty of his crimes, was a naturalized citizen. His brother applied for citizenship, but there were issues with it. So DHS um, was, was, you know, still digging into it, trying to decide whether or not to give him citizenship when he carried out the attack. Time and again, the system failed. Faisal Shahzad, the Times Square bomber, who, by the way, was described in the media by the New York City Police Commissioner Ray Kelly and by politicians as a classic example of a homegrown terrorist. Faisal Shahzad came to the United States at the age of 20 on a student visa from Pakistan. How does that make him homegrown? He ultimately became a United States citizen and just over a year after getting citizenship, what does he do? That's off a car bomb. Thankfully, he didn't kill anybody. Homegrown. The lies keep coming. The, 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 the propaganda keeps flowing. And Americans are losing their lives, along with other people who are here in the United States. We are killing people by our stupidity. We are killing people because of the corruption of our government. A while back, I wrote about collateral damage. Do these people, the globalists, who just look at the balance sheet or their wacky ideology, people who die because of open borders are to be considered nothing more serious than collateral damage. You know, it's remarkable. The United States military, uh, with its amazing weaponry, is very concerned about collateral damage, civilian casualties overseas. We spend a lot of time, a lot of money, and a lot of effort to make certain that we don't kill civilians. Cruise missiles that can take a building apart and leave half the building standing. 
Why? To minimize civilian casualties. Should we do it? I believe we should. It's the moral thing to do. And moral people need to have a moral country. And moral countries need to behave in a certain fashion. So I'm proud of the fact that we pay so much attention to civilian casualties, even in war zones. But then I want to know how the hell we ignore civilian casualties within the borders of our own country when our own citizens are dying. That's the question that I want someone to answer for me. If we're that focused and that concerned about racking up civilian casualties in war zones, and again, I agree with that effort. I think it's an important moral and just effort. I do. Then how the hell do you not apply that concern within the borders of the United States of America? That's the question that someone needs to answer for me. How do we ignore the casualties at home? King Congressman uh, from Idaho, uh, Iowa, rather, I know Steve, uh, he treated me to a wonderful late lunch after a congressional hearing held in Iowa. Uh, we, we've sat down and chatted quite a few times. As he's quoted me. And, and Steve King, because I, when, when he asked me at one hearing how many people were killed every year by illegal aliens, I said, I don't have the number, Congressman, but I'm guessing it would be a multiple of the number of people who perished on 9-11. So he commissioned not one but two studies, and the studies determined, and again, I believe it was GAO, but I could be wrong, but the studies determined that every year approximately 7,000 people are killed in the United States by aliens who shouldn't be here or aliens who are engaged in crime. That includes drunk driving, it includes murderers, it includes drug dealers, you name it, 7,000, 7,000. That's a huge number. Why is there no concern by the open borders anarchists that every year 7,000 people are being killed? Many more people are being injured. What does that loss of 7,000 lives do to their families, to their friends, to their communities, to their colleagues at work? 7,000 people. See, because to the open borders anarchists, this is just collateral damage. Collateral damage. It's insignificant when it happens in the United States. It's a serious matter, apparently, when it happens in other countries. That's crazy. That's crazy. Americans should expect no less from our government while we are here within the borders of our own country than we would expect in terms of the way our military carries out operations overseas. But it won't happen because the U.S. Chamber of Commerce is more concerned with how many headcounts or what the headcount is on an airplane or airliner than they are with the body counts at the morgue. Because to them, the more tourists they could bring here and the faster they can bring them here, the quicker they can get money out of their pocket. That's what this is about. The cost of doing business, as the father of his, of his son who was killed on 9-11 once said to me, he said his son's death for those bastards is the cost of doing business. That's too high a price. And we need to do something about it. And so if you look at what Congressman Labrador did, came up with a piece of legislation that I support wholeheartedly, and it requires a bunch of things happen. But they, I, I don't agree with him, by the way, on, on the fact that he, he's agreeing with 50, 000, setting a 50,000 limit for refugees. Every success story doesn't have to have the punchline, and they came to the United States. 
I would much rather see that we have resettlement camps in the Middle East, safe areas where we protect these people. Uh, Senator Sessions, before he became Attorney General Sessions, did a study and figured out that it's an 11 to 1 cost ratio. So the cost of bringing one refugee to the United States, we can take care of 11 people overseas without bringing them here, undermining our national security. So I I disagree with that 50,000, but I'll live with it because what he also talks is that we've got to monitor these people. First of all, we've got to be able to vet them before we bring them here. And then once they're here, they've got to be monitored to make certain that they're not getting involved in terrorism, that they're not in communication with ISIS or al-Nusra or some other terror group uh, and perhaps intending to carry out attacks in the United States or maybe even committing crimes in the United States to fund terrorism overseas. Very important point. He also talked about, um, well, here we go, recurrent background security checks, recurrent. Keep tabs on these people. Who are they involved with? What are they doing? And he also made the point, as we, as I just mentioned about the Tsarnaev brothers, if you give someone refugee status and then they voluntarily hop on an airplane and go back to the country from whence they came, where they claimed they needed to be refugees because they, their lives were in danger, and you stripped them of their authority. Uh, technically, you could anyway, because that's kind of a prima facie case of immigration fraud. And we'll talk about immigration fraud momentarily. But here, it's in black and white, no equivocation in the law. You're given refugee status. You go back to that country. There's been no regime change. Circumstances are the same. You're out of here. I agree with him. Because we've seen refugees go overseas to do what? Get training in terror camps. And then they come back here to carry out an attack. You leave America, the door swings one way. You're a refugee. So great ideas. Read the article. It's all laid out. But here's what he left out. The same standards absolutely, tively, should apply for asylees, political asylum applicants who get political asylum. Same rules should apply. We give you asylum. We should have recurrent screening. Why? Because we've seen the problem. I just laid out a handful. We could go on for hours talking about people who get lawful status in America. They leave the country, they get training, they come back intent on killing. It's not portrayed in the media frequently that way. They like to use terms like homegrown, lone wolf. Not so much. Not so much. The media has a problem with the truth. And I have to tell you, I've never seen it this bad. It's very disturbing. And democracy hangs in the balance. Um, You know, uh, it's so crystal clear that without honesty, without real information, citizens of supposed democracies have no clue as to what to vote for. Democracy hangs in the balance. I have to give a a hat tip, if you will, to Ann Coulter. She had a story. I just have to briefly mention it. Uh, She called it the Immigrant of the Week, Henry Bellow, and in parenthesis, the name Obotitukudo. Forgive me, I'm having a problem. It's not your standard uh, Anglo name. It's a Nigerian name. And yet, this is the guy who, if you remember reading the 
terrible story, gunned down a bunch of doctors and, and other personnel at a hospital in the Bronx. He worked there, and he showed up at work. He had been fired, shows up wearing a doctor's white lab coat, and under the coat he had concealed an AR-15, according to published reports, and he opened fire. He wanted to go after this one doctor who he claimed was the reason for his problems. She wasn't there, so he shot at everybody, ran from one floor to another floor, shot a bunch of people, and killed a woman doctor. Awful story. And then he took his own life. Meanwhile, he's described in the media, man from California, sharp-dressed doctor, really wasn't a doctor. He had some degrees, but not as an MD. Remarkable story here. And the news reports just use his anglicized name of Bello. So we have a problem with people who come into the United States to commit crime. Now, you know, the, there are folks who say to me, well, wait a minute, Mr. Cutler, you're not being fair. You know, think of Timothy McVeigh, the terrorist, and he was an American, and, and, and you want to go after the aliens. Why aren't you going after American criminals? Well, my answer is simple. As an agent, I did. But primarily as an immigration agent, my focus was on aliens. But, you know, to say that because Americans commit crime, we should ignore aliens and not treat them differently, that's nonsense. It's, again, one of those bogus arguments. Um, there's lots of ways that people die. Cancer, stroke, heart attack, uh, organ failure, car accidents, drunk driving. We can go down the whole list. If I was working with an organization that was seeking to vanquish cancer, I've lost three very important people in my life to cancer. I'm a cancer survivor. So if I joined an organization that's trying to wipe out cancer, and I came to you and said, would you make a contribution, would it make sense to say to me, wait a minute, why are you collecting money for cancer? People are dying of heart attacks every day, and you want money for cancer? You know, that would be a crazy argument, wouldn't it? But that's what they do. Crazy arguments, you repeat them frequently enough, and then people say, gee, maybe that makes sense. It doesn't make sense. Because we should go after heart disease. We should go after heart attacks and vascular disease and, and people who have a, a immune system issues and organ failure. All those causes of death should be attacked. We should try to vanquish all of them. But that doesn't mean you don't go after individual causes of death because there's other ways that you can die anyway. See, that's the bogus reasoning. How dare you go after the immigrants when Americans commit murder? Great. But if you could get rid of people who shouldn't be here and thereby save the lives that you know they wouldn't have taken, why wouldn't you do that? Why wouldn't you do that? You, you go after every vulnerability. It's, it's like knocking down pins in the bowling alley. You know, you go after as many pins as you can. And so to say, well, we're not going to go after illegal aliens who commit crime because Americans commit crime is one of the wackiest arguments. But the funny thing is, it's repeated so frequently that you see people who you would imagine can fog a mirror, they're smart enough to breathe, kind of city they're going gee maybe that makes sense it doesn't make sense it doesn't when i can tell you that seven thousand people are losing their lives in an average year because of people who shouldn't be here 
shouldn't we have made an effort to prevent those 7,000 senseless, needless, horrible deaths? That's what this is about. You see? But these are all the make-believe arguments, the spin, the propaganda, the BS. So Ann Coulter made that point. How they changed the narrative so people would not pay attention to the fact that this guy came here from Nigeria. Now, I don't know how he even came here. He might have been legal. He might have been illegal. I don't know what the story was. But he, has one, he had one hell of a track record, arrested for, for physically, sexually assaulting women. And so you put him in a hospital where there's plenty of women running around. I won't say running around, but you have women patients that are in bed and, in a terrible way. And here's a guy that might have an opportunity to get close to female. I mean, just think about what we're doing. How are we screening people who work in our hospitals? How do we screen anybody, whether you're an American or not? Don't you want to know that if you, God forbid, have to go to a hospital or a loved one has to go to a hospital, that the doctors and nurses don't pose a threat to your safety or well-being? Shouldn't that be kind of a fundamental objective? We've gotten so concerned about the rights of the criminals that we're ignoring the rights of the victims. This is crazy. This is crazy. If this guy was an American citizen who was born in the United States, I would still be deeply disturbed that this guy, who had been homeless for a while and had been arrested a number of times for um, one case, I believe it was unlawful imprisonment of a woman. They got him for fair beating. What does that say? Imagine your family physician, fair beating, sneaking onto a subway train. Are these the people that you want to entrust your life or the lives of people who are important to you? That's what we're dealing with today, folks. Don't ask too many questions. Uber, by the way, up in Westchester, the big argument was whether they had to be fingerprinted or could just be subjected to a name check. And you have politicians saying a name check is enough. How could it be enough when people steal identities every day of the week? We'll just use a name check. Right. You think the bad guy is going to give his real name if he's been arrested on his real name? You know, this is the kind of lunacy that we're dealing with today. And who pays the price? The victims of the crimes that are committed. That's the madness to all this. We're all but dismantled when you try to get on board an airplane. But you get in the car or you have an Uber pick up your child, and it's too much to ask that the driver had been fingerprinted to make certain that he or she isn't lying about his identity? Are you serious? This is insanity. And the insanity keeps on getting worse and worse and worse because no one seems to have a brain or a moral compass. There's where the problem lies. When I, when I look at this effort by Representative Labrador, I'm very happy to support his bill. But this is very important. We need to reach out to him and members of Congress and say to them, listen, what you want to do with refugees should be done with people who apply for and receive political asylum. It's the flip side of the coin. In both cases, you're dealing with aliens in the United States who are claiming a credible fear that they can't go back to their home country. And that tactic has been used repeatedly by terrorists. So refugee, we're going to do that? Fine. Let's do it for people 
who apply for and receive political asylum. I hope that the article that I wrote for frontpagemag.com provides you with enough factual material, provides you with enough ammunition that perhaps you'll consider just sending it to your congressman and making a phone call and saying, look, this is common sense. We're not looking to do anything more than protect ourselves and our families. What a novel thought. Because time and time and time again, we have seen terrorists game the system. Which brings me to my next case. Uh, Okay. Here's the headline. Justice Department. Ohio man pleads guilty to providing material support to terrorists. Here's how it begins. This dated June the 29th, just last week, folks. This is this is now. You know, 9/11 happened 15 years ago. This is now. We still don't learn our lessons, right? Court records unsealed today reveal that Abdurraham Sheikh Mohammed, 25, of Columbus, Ohio, pleaded guilty to all counts alleged against him regarding a terrorist plot. The federal grand jury charged Muhammad in April 2015 with one count of attempting to provide and providing material support to terrorists, one count of attempting to provide and providing material support to a designated foreign terrorist organization, namely the Al-Nusra Front, and one count of making false statements to the FBI involving international terrorism in an indictment returned in Columbus. Muhammad pleaded guilty before U.S. Magistrate Judge Elizabeth Preston Devers on August 14, 2015, and the plea was sealed because of an ongoing investigation. And, and so here's the point. This guy traveled to the Middle East to join his brother. He came to the United States from his native Somalia at the age of two, at lawful immigrant status. 2014, according to the information contained in the court records, at the behest of the terror group, he became a United States citizen. Okay? So he's here for many years, and they said to him, get your citizenship, get a passport. 2014, he gets his citizenship, gets a passport, travels to the Middle East, and he was going to participate in terror attacks. His brother was killed, and his handlers said, you know what? Forget about killing people here. Go back to the United States and kill people. Go back to the United States and kill soldiers, kill police officers. And he said, okay, I'll do it. And he comes back to the United States. Now, here's something that concerns me. And I've reached out to some folks in Washington, and and we'll see where this goes. The one crime that this guy has not been charged with, at least as of yet, I hope they will reconsider what they've done, is naturalization. Why naturalization fraud? Because he became a citizen in 2014. And he had already been in contact with a terrorist organization, the Al-Nusra Front. I assure you that when they asked him on his naturalization application, are you involved with, have you supported terrorist organizations? He said no. If he said yes, they would not have naturalized him. So clearly he lied. I assure you that when he applied for his passport, they asked him for the purpose of his trip and where he was going. I haven't seen the application for his passport. I guarantee you that he lied. But the critical issue isn't just bringing additional charges. And by the way, you should know that naturalization fraud, when it involves terrorism, carries a maximum penalty of 25 years in jail. 
here's the point. Besides the fact that it adds more um, more charges to his indictment than maybe extends his prison time, if successfully prosecute him for naturalization fraud, he gets stripped of his U.S. citizenship. What does that mean? He becomes subject to deportation. That's critical. This is a guy who, had he not been stopped by the FBI, would have tried to get on a military base or walk into a police station, or as we saw a couple of days ago with a with a woman, a police officer, mother of three children. She'd been a nurse and was so intent on serving her community here in New York City, was on duty, and some sleaze buckets snuck up on her. They're saying he was mentally ill. I have no idea, but there's such a rabid anti-police philosophy out there that permeates America since those wonderful efforts of Mr. Obama. And boy, put a lot of sarcasm in that statement. He shot her in the head and killed her. They weren't interacting. She wasn't trying to arrest him. Shot her in the head. This nitwit that's being prosecuted now that went uh, in conjunction with al-Nusra, do we really want him wandering the streets of, of our country when he gets out of jail? Is that a smart thing? We have a way out. If the federal prosecutors would add to the charges naturalization fraud, either get him to plead guilty to it, or I would even suggest that it's worth the effort to put him on trial if need be, because this is significant. We need this piece of trash removed from our midst because he came back here fully intending to kill members of the military or anyone else that he could kill. Why would you want him wandering around a town in the United States where he poses a threat? He's not going to change his beliefs in prison. I promise you. I promise you he won't. So this is very important. What bothers me is why nobody at the Justice Department thought to do this before. I went through the court record, and it said clearly he naturalized in 2014. Statute of limitations has not yet run out. This is a doable case. It needs to be done. This is the kind of simple stuff that can pay huge dividends down the road. Get this guy out of the country before the act. Let's not have another damn headline about how we have dead police officers or dead soldiers, like another Fort Hood, and then people will say, oh, gee whiz, you know, well, how did that happen? We can prevent it, folks. Here's how you prevent it. Charge him with naturalization fraud. Strip him of his U.S. citizenship. Take away his United States passport. And when he gets out of jail, plant your boot in the guy's backside, put him on an airplane, and wave goodbye. That's how you deal with this problem, because the threats are real. This isn't make-believe. This isn't a game. People are losing their lives. And our government needs to be creative and needs to be alert and needs to take every opportunity provided to do what's essential to keep us safe. Is that too damn much to ask for? See, this is what revs my motor. I looked at this press release and it took me three minutes to say, wow, did they miss the boat? Now, maybe they did charge him with naturalization fraud, but it's sure as hell not posted here, and I didn't see anything in his indictment charging him with naturalization fraud. Unless I missed it. 
this guy needs to be prosecuted for that specific crime for that specific purpose. Not because it's an immigration charge, and I used to be an immigration agent, but because I don't want this guy wandering around the streets of anybody's town inside the borders of the United States of America. Simple solution. Now we come to our friends in Canada. And sometimes I read these articles, and I have to tell you, I think I've landed in the twilight zone. Newsmax reporting is the headline. This was on July 5th, Wednesday, two days ago. Hot off the press, folks. Omar Kadir, ex-Gitmo detainee. Are you ready for this? Sit down and put on your seatbelt because you're not going to believe me. You're going to say Cutler's lost his mind. It finally happened. Omar Kadir, ex-Gitmo detainee, gets $10.5 million from Canada. He killed an American soldier and blinded another soldier with a grenade. He was 15 years old. And the Canadian said, well, he was a Canadian citizen. We questioned him and we were too harsh. We're so sorry. So the government of Canada is giving him $10.5 million in Canadian currency. I believe that works out to $8 million. Yeah, $8 million in U.S. currency. And um, they even apologized to him. Canada is our ally. I had the privilege of working with members of the Royal Canadian Mounted Police for years. Great people. I've had meetings with the Canadian officials at the embassy in Washington. Uh, helped to convince them that they needed to go along with the Western Hemisphere Travel Initiative to make to require that passports or an equivalent document be used when people travel between Canada and the United States. And when I read this report, I feel even more strongly about that Western Hemisphere Travel Initiative that was ratified years ago. We did get that done. Canada is our ally. And our ally is giving $10.5 million in Canadian currency to a terrorist who killed a United States soldier. The world has gone mad. Decent people are being put on the endangered species list by our own government. By our own government. This is the kind of crap you would expect to come out of Iran, you know? When, when, when that piece of trash, and I can't think of his name, and I don't even want to mention his name, but, but the piece of trash who was found guilty of bringing down Pan Am 103 was supposed to serve a life sentence, and then they thought he was dying of cancer, so they sprung him. And, of course, he was maintaining he really didn't do it. Yeah, right. Here's the bigger issue. He didn't die right away. He lived for quite a while. And he got a hero's welcome in Libya. You know, their hero. He brought down an airplane and killed a couple of hundred innocent people. How great. But you expect that from Libya. But Canada. But Canada, our ally. To give a million dollars to a terrorist piece of trash who killed an American soldier and blinded another soldier. Leave me speechless. If you wonder why we need to secure our borders, if you wonder why we need a president who says, let's put America first, have I not given you enough reasons this evening? How much more has to be done? How many more thumbs can be stuck in America's eyes? How many more people need to be buried before someone wakes up and says, you know, this, isn't cra- this is crazy stuff. This is insanity. If this was part of a bad movie, You'd probably give it one rotten tomato or whatever they give them. I call them pineapples and bananas. I joke about it. 
And you'd say, boy, what a crappy movie. The storyline is unbelievable. This isn't a movie, folks. It's a headline. Headline from Newsweek. Uh, Newsmax. Forgive me, Newsmax. Headline from Newsmax. $10.5 million given to a dirtbag who killed an American soldier by Canada, our friends. As Americans, we need to wake up. As Americans, we need to look at the politicians who allow the madness to continue and vote them the hell out of office. It's been all over the news today. New York's Mayor de Blasio, two days after a police officer is killed, the day of a graduation class uh, at the police academy. You would think, you would think, that given the death of the police officer, given the graduation today at the police academy, and I had the privilege of working with NYPD. I worked with many police departments from around the world. Um, but as a New Yorker, it was a privilege to work with the NYPD. Great department, great men and women. Wonderful bunch. The mayor did not go to the graduation ceremony at the academy. You know where the mayor is today? If you haven't seen the news reports, you know, it's July the 7th. Do you know where your mayor is? He's in Europe participating in the riots, uh, demonstrations, forgive me. That's where New York subways are falling apart. The police officer is yet to be buried. The police graduate a new class of cadets. And New York's mayor is participating in a demonstration in Europe. If this doesn't leave you speechless, I don't know what does. I don't know even what to say. It does not compute. It does not compute. The hostility that we're seeing against law enforcement. Um, And, and, and you know, it it just makes me crazy. And, in fact, because of the hostility and the way that immigration is portrayed, when Tom Holman, uh, the acting director of ICE, uh, was interviewed, I believe he made this point at one of those hearings also, assaults are like double what they were last year on ICE agents. ICE agents are going to work and they're getting into the confrontations and they're being attacked. Why? Because they've been vilified in the media. Their job is to get the bad guys off the street. Their job is no less a matter of national security than what the FBI does. I'll say that right now. I work closely with the FBI. And most of the time, there are immigration charges that are brought against international terrorists because they violate immigration laws in order to get to the United States. These people are doing very important work. I was part of the drug task force um, 10 years and four years before that. I was part of DEA intelligence because of my abilities and the resources that I had at my disposal as an immigration agent. Vital work. If you're concerned about the gangs, you're concerned about the drugs, you're concerned about terrorism, you're concerned about immigration laws. And instead of looking at immigration law enforcement officers as people who are helping to protect us, they're being physically attacked. And from what I understand, their kids are being abused in school also. How wonderful. How wonderful. And now you've got the courts saying, don't make arrests in the courthouse. Folks, you will. Courthouses are the cathedrals um, for law. Those buildings were erected to... um, in furtherance of the Constitution, due process, justice. Immigration agents aren't thugs carrying out assassinations. They're executing lawful warrants. And they're being told by judges, stay out of my courthouse. Now, it's not just a matter of stay out of my courthouse. 
a lot of the people that we go after these days are heavily armed. People that are involved with drugs are wacky. They use their own product. You'd be amazed at what people are capable of when they're high enough. When you arrest someone in a courthouse, they've been through a metal detector. That means they're not armed. That means there's no high-speed chase. That means that the agent isn't in danger. The general population isn't in danger. And even the dirtbag isn't in danger. We get to arrest the bad guy, and we get to deport them, especially when we're dealing with criminals. And, and, And what are we hearing here? Oh, don't arrest them in the courthouse. No. Better our agents should go out there on the street where the guy might be heavily armed, where a shootout may follow, where innocent people may wind up getting wounded, where an agent might lose his or her life, and even the bad guy might lose his life. The lunacy, the lack of logic, the lack of reason, the lack of common sense, the lack of morality. Uh, I have a good friend who's still over at DHS, and we speak frequently. And one day we were having this conversation, and I kept ending everything that I said by asking him, Am I crazy? Am I nuts? And after about 10 minutes, he said, you know, Mike, maybe that should be the title of a book you should write. Am I nuts? He said, because what you're saying makes perfect sense, but what we're doing as a country doesn't. What we're doing as a country runs 180 degrees in the opposite direction from what you're suggesting we should be doing. And he said, I agree with you completely. He said, so maybe you have the title of a book there. You know, am I nuts? Because I look at all of what I've discussed tonight and then some, and I wind up asking myself that inevitable question. Am I nuts? If I've motivated you this evening, if when you listen to this program, when you look at these reports, when you read my articles, if it motivates you, if your motor is running, reach out to your elected representatives. I absolutely hope that you will agree with me that that this piece of legislation that has been um, proposed um, by Congressman Labrador should be enacted, finally. I'm sure that the president would sign it. It's H.R. 2826, Refugee Program Integrity Restoration Act of 2017. It was a similar act, I think, 2016 and 15, make it the year that this happened. But they must amend it to include people who are granted political asylum. This is only reasonable and rational, folks. But nothing is going to change unless we make it change. And my mother used to tell me that the squeaky wheel gets the grease. We need to be squeaky wheeled. Please don't just listen to my program and, and agree with me. Please take some action. Please take action. Please pass my materials along to as many friends and neighbors. Perhaps post these articles on social media. and Get involved. Get involved. We're living in a very dangerous era with a lot of very crazy, irresponsible, and immoral leadership um, that's out there. When, when, when you hear people talking about borders not being fair, immigration laws not being fair, that's crazy stuff. That's crazy stuff. This isn't about keeping everyone out. This is about keeping out the people who pose a threat to our safety and well-being. It's no different from the homeowner who looks through the peephole before admitting a stranger into his or her home. The risks have never been greater. The stakes have never been higher. And we need to be involved. 
We really do. Not only for ourselves, but for our children. We need to do it for their children also. What country will we be leaving behind for our kids and for their kids? Important stuff going on, folks. I, I hope you find my program helpful. I hope you're finding information here that you're not getting in the mainstream media. That's why I do the show. That's the whole reason that I sit here uh, every Friday evening for that hour um, to try to convey to you the news reports that I know you're not seeing. As I watch TV, nowhere to be found. Nobody's reporting on these legislative matters. Why is that? They would sooner do a story about a dog swimming in someone's swimming pool on a surfboard or something ridiculous and give you actionable information that you could then use when you meet with your member of Congress. And I urge you to do just that. Meet with your members of Congress. Meet with your governors. Meet with your mayors. End insanity known as sanctuary cities. Let's cut down on those um, collateral casualties inside the United States. Let's start putting the lives of innocent people first. What a novel thought that would be. Anyway, again, get involved. Remember that democracy is not a spectator sport. I'm counting on you to be involved. Go to my website, michaelcutler.net, capsweb.org, Californians for Population Stabilization, frontpagemag.com, that's Front Page Magazine, um, the Social Contract, and also Newsmax. And uh, armed with the information, you know, knowledge is power. Head out there, or, or as my old boss, Walter Connery, would have said, Sally forth, you know. Go out there and do some good. Make sure that you are involved, and make sure that you make our politicians accountable. Have a great weekend, everybody. I look forward to seeing you again right here, same time on the Michael Cutler Hour.